Broadcasting live from the Treasure Island Sports Club, it's In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. I want to thank you very much for making my day in the sun so memorable. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. We're heading inside the tent with an injury update from the Las Vegas Raiders. That's right, and when you hear that intro, you know what time it is. We go out to uh, the uh, guest line to welcome in our good friend, Dr. Stephen Shaw, from the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. Look, there's nothing worse than living in chronic pain with little hope. Neuropathy and Pain Centers of Las Vegas offers genuine relief from even the most severe and persistent forms of pain. Please call their office today or book an appointment online. You can give them a call at 725-373-9879, whether it's yourself, a family member, a friend, whatever the case might be. You don't have to go it alone. You don't have to just suck it up and deal with uh, pain because that's what people told you you had to do back in the day. There's answers out there, and there's relief. 725-373-9879, the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. Uh, Dr. Shaw, thank you so much uh, for joining us in the huddle today, and I've been thinking about you guys these last couple of days. Um, and, and I just remember us months ago, um, over a year ago, well over a year ago, really, talking about that devastating car accident that Tiger Woods was in, and yeah. wondering, you know, um, what was Tiger Woods' future going to be? And knowing the significance of the injuries, uh, you know, uh, forget about golf. You know, being able to walk again and leave, live, a, live a regular life was in question at, at that point. And lo and sure behold, was. 14 months later, Dr. Shaw, uh, there's Tiger Woods playing in the Masters and playing pretty darn well and moving around pretty well. I'm just amazed uh, right now at what we're seeing from Tiger Woods. And i got to ask you, as a doctor, being in that profession, understanding what he had to overcome, but also the help that he had from the medical field, i got to imagine that there's a little bit of pride in what you guys do to help us and people like Tiger Woods get back to a stable uh, way of living after something like that. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, really. I, I mean... You know, 10 years ago, we'd be having a much different conversation. Um, I mean, but to put things into kind of context, you, you remember the Alex Smith injury? Yep, I do. Well, it's very similar injury. It had a, a compound fracture um, that, you know, required surgery. And uh, same with Tiger. You know, so compound basically means it, it uh, pierced the skin. And it, and it was a comminuted fracture, meaning that both of the tibia and uh, I believe it was the fibula also shattered with a comminuted fracture. So it's like dropping a glass vase on the ground and it just cracks into a million pieces. That's what the bones did. And I'm pretty sure that's what happened with Alex Smith and that's what happened with uh, Tiger Woods. In addition, if you remember, Vinny, a few weeks ago we were talking about Steph Curry and his foot injury. Right. And and uh, he had what we suspect was what's called a Liz Frank injury, which yep. is a, a, an injury to the middle portion of the foot on the bottom, where sometimes they fracture and the ligaments tear. It's a terrible injury to overcome. Well, they suspect that uh, Tiger Woods also suffered a Liz Frank type injury, an ankle injury, and shattered his tibia and fibula and now 14 months later not only is he walking and i've been catching bits and pieces of him walking and his gait meaning the way that he walks right appears appears to be somewhat normal 
um, let alone putting pressure and shifting weight on it and golfing. I mean, this is normally an injury that, you know, it's a, it's a five-year recovery time just to be, get back to normal day-to-day activities, let alone compete at such a high level as he is. So, yes, it's a very remarkable recovery. Uh, and I'm sure that, you know, being Tiger Woods, he had, uh, he was, had accessible uh, medical care, the best in the world, uh, that probably put him on, on some things that uh, even you and I don't have to. So, remarkable story. And, you know, and, and, and I get that uh, aspect of it. There's no doubt that, you know, uh, being in, in the world that he operates in financially and, and, and all of that is going to give him, like you said, access to tremendous right. care. Um, and, and, and there's no doubt that that's an important factor in it. And I, again, commend, uh, you know, uh, your colleagues in your profession uh, for. Yeah, and for... I'll, tell you, I'll throw one other thing. And, you know, Part of the thing with uh, Alex Smith's injury is that, I, if I remember correctly, he did suffer infection. Yes. And that's really the biggest threat is, is the secondary infection that occurs, and then the soft tissue just necrodes and, and is eaten away, and, and they, that's when they start you know, using the amputation word. And I believe they use the same type of wording for uh, Tiger Woods as well. So, again, he dodged a bullet on that one as well. And... Um... Uh, you know, kind of where I was was headed with as well. In addition to the tremendous care and and uh, the, the 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 progress that we've made uh, in terms of medical care and and pain therapy and all the type of stuff that you guys deal with on a daily basis, the person has an important role in this too. The patient, I should say, yeah. um, the mental capacity, uh, the wherewithal, the persistence, the determination, everything that. Um, you know, uh, got Tiger Woods to where he got, you know, in his profession, had to have, I would imagine, play into this as well. And I know that you've, uh, Dr. Shaw, mentioned that you, you work with MMA fighters, uh, highly, yeah. highly competitive people that, you know, they don't want to hear from Dr. Shaw that, no, you're not going to be able to fight next week. It might be six months from now. That's not an option to them. And sometimes they purposely don't hear you. <laughs> right, exactly. But that's a mentality when you think about it, as, as frustrating as that might be for, for you and as bullheaded as they can be uh, fighting you on that, it's also part of that spirit that probably um, has made them, you know, has helped get them to where they are it's right that, now. It's that mind over matter mentality. It's that never quit warrior mentality. It's ingrained in their DNA. And, I, you know, I would imagine that somebody as highly competitive as Tiger Woods probably has that somewhere in his DNA as well. Well, I'm going to ask you, I know you, uh, you don't work in the world of psychiatry, um, but, but how do we quantify that? Like, how do we, Tiger Woods could have just bought an island, literally, and just rode it out uh, on his island, fishing every day, doing what he wants to do. Um, but, you know, especially at this age, too. It's not like he was a young kid that was just coming up. This was a guy that had accomplished everything, and yet... He wanted to get back and, and understood what it was going to take, but was willing to uh, em- embrace that. How do we even quantify that, Doctor? I, I, you know, I think he's, that just comes down to love for the game. I mean, you're either someone that loves it or you don't. And if you do, then you'll do anything you can to get back to it. Just like, somebody, just like a person you would love. If you're deeply in love with them, you'll do whatever it takes to get back into their arms. And he probably feels the same way about this the sport that he loves, that he, was, that he grew up on, uh, that he was trained in. And, you know, he, he has a lot more to accomplish, and, and he knows that. And just having the love for the game probably drives him. 
We're talking to Dr. Stephen Shaw from the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. Please give them a call at 725-373-9879. Whether it's you or a loved one that's dealing with any type of pain, uh, they've got answers at the Neuropathy and Pain Center uh, here in Las Vegas. Uh, Dr. Shaw, when when we are talking about that mentality and we are, um, you know, when, when we have to you guys uh, in, in your profession have to you know, put something in front of somebody to fight, to, to, to wage that fight for anything, whether it's, like you said, a person, a profession, a goal. Um, does that become part sometimes uh, of, of the practice of, of trying to help people overcome, whether it's pain or an injury or anything that they're dealing with, to be able to put something in front of them that's going to get those competitive juices flowing? Yeah, I, of course you want to talk about benefits versus risks. You know, if there's an inherent risk in them doing something or proceeding forward, you want to let them know that you, you run the risk of, of making this condition worse. However, you know, you also want to dangle a carrot. You also want to let them know, hey, if you just follow the regimen um, and follow the protocols, then, you know, this is all research-driven and protocol-backed uh, to get you better uh, or at least prior your pre-injury status. So we want we want to... Let them know to what not to do to re-aggravate their, their symptoms and then what to do to get them where they're ultimately fully recovered. How fulfilling is it from your perspective to see the fulfillment in their eyes when they overcome or they, <laughs> they, they reach a new plateau? Well, if, if you played an integral part in the recovery, you'll be the first guy that gets a thank you card and a hug. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's very rewarding to know that. Um, you know, I can't say that we, we, we're batting a thousand. Really, no doctor does. That's why they call it a medical practice. But, yes, when you're involved in helping somebody get back to the, to the sport they love, to the job that they love, to the, to the daily routine that they love, then uh, they're very appreciative and they'll let you know about it. Yep, and that's why the, the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas is so important because sometimes because of pain, um, because of things that we're dealing with, we're not living the life that we actually truly deserve. Uh, and sometimes we just put up with it, whether it's being bullheaded, whether it's being afraid of what the answers might be uh, or what the diagnosis might be, or maybe even, unfortunately, you know, uh, how much it's going to cost, what the bill is going to look like. But I can assure you that the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas will help you overcome all of those things and be there in a way to help like you probably didn't even expect. So please, and I'm talking about on all levels, so please give them a call at 725-373-9879. Dr. Shaw, I'm hoping that you get some time uh, this weekend to be able to watch Tiger uh, do his thing. And let's hope for everybody, including Tiger, uh, that he gives us a fun Sunday and that he gets to that point so that we can all enjoy it. Uh, not just the triumph and, and what he's overcome, but us, for our selfishly, being able to see a great athlete like Tiger Woods do his thing. It's a lot of fun. Dr. Shaw, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. My pleasure. Go Raiders, go Knights. There you go. That's Dr. Stephen Shaw from the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. Please give them a call, 725-373-9879. When we get back, we're going to get back to Raiders talk. Where they might go in the third round Are you okay with some of the names I threw out there in terms of if you want to get back into the first round, that's what you're going to have to be dangling out uh, to teams to try to get back into that first round. I don't think it's worth it in terms of the players I named that are on the roster right now. If there's somebody late in the first round that I feel like if I'm Dave Ziegler or if I'm Josh McDaniels that, hey, if we get this guy, 
this can help put us over the top, maybe I would think about giving up a first-round pick next year and maybe something this year. Or do you just trade down to accumulate more picks to kind of make up for what you lost, um, you know, in terms of the draft assets, trading for Devontae Adams? There's a lot of different directions the Raiders can go in. Uh, we would love to get your thoughts on what you might do, what you'd be willing to do, um, you know, uh, if you were Dave Ziegler or Josh McDaniels and making that call. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. On a Friday, we're live at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. We're here till 6 o'clock. Come on by, enjoy some great foods, great drinks, and, of course, all the great sports that are on the TVs here. We'll check you out in just a minute or two. Welcome back to In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, live from the Treasure Island Sportsbook. My thanks again uh, to Nikki Fargus from the Las Vegas Aces for joining us today in the huddle. We're live at the uh, Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. I got to tell you this: um, that's the kind of leadership when you when you talk to uh, Nikki Fargus, um, great college basketball coach, has now traded in the the coaching hat uh, for the executive hat. Uh, there's a lot of there's some similarities in terms of the competition and and, and all that. Uh, you're always competing, uh, but the leadership—you uh, could just—it it just oozes in her voice, her demeanor, everything. Um, it's going to take the aces where they want to go, uh, and then you—you—you you, you mix that with 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 Becky Hammond, the new coach. Uh, that name speaks for itself. Uh, the, the the aces are in great hands, and I know that the WNBA is a growing sport. Uh, get on board with it now, uh, because. It's heading places. Just go watch the level of play. You'll be blown uh, away how good uh, this level of basketball is. And you saw it in the Final Four, um, how good women's basketball. It just continues to grow by leaps and bounds. And you're seeing that also in the WNBA. There's some literally superstars uh, in, in the WNBA. And it's really fun being here in Las Vegas and seeing that team and that brand grow and I really feel like with Mark Davis and, and, and Nikki and Becky it's just just starting so our thanks uh, to them and good luck uh, in the draft uh, on Monday but we're talking also obviously about the Raiders uh, as we sit here today we're about three weeks away from the draft it's very cool to say that and by the way really literally where the Raiders are in the draft uh, their first pick will be, what, about 20 days away. Uh, they don't have a scheduled first-round pick right now. I don't expect that to change. Again, unless you're willing to trade a Darren Waller uh, or a Derek Carr or a Colton. One of your established players, a Max Crosby, that's what it's going to take to get into the first round. I mean, not to say that the Raiders don't have other good players, but they don't have but, – but there's very few times where a team is going to trade a first-round pick just for the heck of it, you know what I'm saying? Unless it's a future first-round pick or you bundle a bunch of picks uh, to get into that back end of that first round, perhaps. Uh, but it's either going to take another first-round pick next year's uh, or a player to get back into the first round. And I know that the first round, it's so sexy. It's so, um, you know, uh, there, there's something cool about that first round, but you can't let that be the reason that you just surrender a great asset. And the Raiders have a bunch of those just to say that you got in the first round. It's, it's one thing if there's somebody that you have got to have. Like you, your, your season hinges partially on you being able to get that player at that pick in the first round. If there is somebody like that, 
then, you know, you move mountains sometimes uh, to go get that player. But I just – I don't see it. Damon, um, uh, if, you could, if, if you're there and if you can hear me, is there somebody in this draft that is so compelling right now that you would be willing to give up, let's just say Darren Waller, for, for that player? Uh, yeah. Who is that? Um, I know you wouldn't be able to get these type of players back, but I do think that the players at the top, of, at the top end of the draft – are worth it. Yeah, if you could say, hey, straight up, Sauce Gardner, Darren Waller, long term, that's a good move. Um, yeah, I don't think I would do that. I don't think I, I – I, and even Sauce Gardner, as good as I think he's going to be, there's still – you never know. You know, you never know. And is, and is, is, is what Sauce Gardner brings well, to yeah, you – Well, if yeah, we, if you use the caveat of this guy might be a bust, well, yeah, you don't make the trade. But if you do think that this guy's going to be a – you know, the draft's a crapshoot, like we all say. But if it's like, hey, this guy's going to have a healthy 10-year career, yes. Okay. Um, I, I, that's, a, that's a sound argument. But does he help you so much this year? Does he help you more than Darren Waller helps you this year? Because I think the Raiders are pieces, a piece or two away from being, like, legit. They could go into any building at any time uh, against any team and compete with them right now. Do you, does taking Darren Waller out uh, and, and, and swapping him for, let's just say, Sauce Gardner, does he help that? Does that does that help or hurt you right now, like today, going into this season? I think it helps on the defensive end because I think that the offense is already that good. But you're when you say that good, you're also thinking about Darren Waller, right? So I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that he could be easily replaced, but I do think that with Adams, with Renfro, okay, even, even, with some, even with some players that are still left out there on the receiving market. Okay, um, fair enough. Uh, we'll, we'll throw it out to, uh, to, our, to our listeners, our callers. Uh, if, would you trade Darren Waller? Basically, um, would you trade him straight up uh, for, for the cornerback uh, uh, from Cincinnati? Is that a trade that you would make? Um, or is there somebody else in this, in this draft that you would say, you know what, I'm willing to give up Darren Waller to go to the top of the draft to get who? Who would you be willing to make that trade for? That's, that's Because I think right now everyone's talking about it in conception, like, okay, let's get, to the first, let's get back into the first round. We've got to give up Darren Waller to get back in the first round. They're thinking more of being in the first round than – who exactly they would draft if they got back into the first round. Now that so I'm going to ask that question. You want to give us a call 702-365-9200 uh, in terms of all right, I'm willing to give up Darren Waller for this player. Who would that player be? 702-365-9200. Um, you know, I it's 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 an enticing thought. There's no question about it. But man, I just think Darren Waller um, is 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 so good. And means so much to this team when you envision an offense um, with he and um, Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs and Hunter Renfro. This is a offense that's going to be able to wear people out. That's going to be able to put, barring injuries, of course, but on paper, this offense, there's no reason why this isn't going to be one of the more high-powered offenses in the NFL. I, and I am, like, fascinated, truly fascinated by the, 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 possibility, by the possibility of Devontae Adams playing alongside uh, Darren Waller. Um, 
We're going to go back out to uh, the uh, reality, uh, Realty One Group uh, listener line. And, uh, Damon, why don't you announce who the caller is? We got 502 Raider D on the line. There you go. 502 Raider D. What you got, my brother? Gentlemen, I have to thank going tonight. Good, okay. man. Thank you. Um, I, I think that you have to be realistic. I think there's no way in hell that you trade a player like him because right now, and, and, and once again, you guys all know this like, like I do. I, 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 put you, I put your Marcus Russell in there. You, no matter how good you play in college, that does not always transfer at all to the pro league. Darren Waller is a chess piece that cannot be replaced. I, I think that I, I believe the Raiders are not done even in free agency. I really think that uh, either Honey Badger or um, there's another cornerback that's out there. I can't think of his name right now. Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, Stephon Gilmore. I really believe, it, and I'll tell you this, and I wouldn't have said this you know, a month or so ago because I did not know that we were going to be getting the players that we've gotten. And I'm, I'm so impressed by what's been done with the current regime. I think they're not done in free agency. I think Gilmore or possibly Stephon Matthew, I mean, the Connie Badger might be coming coming to Vegas. So I'm looking forward to that and seeing what happens with that. You keep that chess piece on offense because the thing is this, in playing in the division, how loaded the division is, you can't get rid of that because that makes you that much weaker. So that's all I got to say. You guys have a wonderful night. Thanks. All right, you got it. I, I appreciate the call. Uh, I think the world of Sauce Gardner, it, it's, not, it's not really um, anything against him. I just wonder – you know, if 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 you want to really improve the, if you want to really improve the um, uh, the cornerback position, maybe just go get uh, Stephon Gilmore for a year or two, um, and and keep Darren Waller. I'm not saying don't ever trade Darren Waller, but I think that um, man, he means so much to this team that I don't think trading him, even for somebody that has the prospects. Uh, and long-range uh, future of, of Sauce Gardner is the right way to go. Not Vinny, real right quick, now. just because we, we, you have to look at all these questions as hypotheticals. Let's yeah. just say he's as good as Jalen Ramsey. If you could get Jalen Ramsey and his, in his rookie year as a rookie, would you trade that? make that trade right now? If you can say he's going to become Jalen Ramsey, do you make that trade? If I know for sure he's going to be – I mean, that, it's hard to say. Would I trade Darren Waller for Jalen Ramsey right now? Why don't we ask that question? Would you make that trade right now? Yes. I don't know. I just, I think, I don't know. I, 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 really, I, I really don't know um, because I know what I've got. If you're a Raider fan and if you're the Raiders, you know what you have in Darren Waller. And but I don't think, I, because I say that as a, as a hypothetical, because I don't think anyone is offering a top 10 first-round pick for Darren Waller. I don't think that that's on the table. Well, okay, that's the other question of this. And then you bring up a really good point. And uh, Eddie in L.A., we're going to get to you in one second. You bring up a really good point because when people are talking about would you trade Darren Waller for a first-round pick, I'm with Damon. I don't think anyone's – and this is, not nothing, you know, this is nothing against uh, um, uh, Darren Waller. It's just that where he is in his age and where you are, if you're picking in the, in the, in the top ten right now, you're probably kind of in rebuild mode as it is. So you're looking more in that long window. I'm looking, if I'm the Raiders, I'm looking more in, the, in a short window right now. And what does Darren Waller mean to me over these next three years? Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll deal with finding the next Sauce Gardner or whoever it is down the road. Uh, or maybe you do that in free agency. Or maybe you trade a future first-round pick for a player that's on the up, you know, like, like the Rams did to go get Jalen Ramsey. So there's a lot of ways uh, to do that. So let's just rule out even a top 10. I don't think anyone in the top 10 is, is going to tr- trade out 
uh, to, for, for Darren Waller. So now you're talking about 15, 16, 17, 20. At that point in the draft, there's no way you're going to find somebody, I think, that's going to help you the way Darren Waller can help you this year, next year, and probably the year after that. Back out to the Raider, or back out to the Realty One Group listener line, uh, we've got Eddie in L.A. How you doing, Eddie? Hey, how you doing, Vinny? Doing really well, my man. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. I, I, not for one minute, I would think that uh, McDaniels took on this job and envisioned not having Waller in that lineup especially after pulling off a trade for Devontae Adams. There's just, it's not going to happen. The only way I see it even remotely being a possibility is if they go, uh, get into contract talks and they start stalling and not going anywhere, and, you know, it, it starts going south. That's the only way I would foresee them then trying to ship them out. But who, number one, who's going to give up a first-round pick? I, I, especially if you consider he has been a little bit injury-prone, let's be honest, the last couple of seasons. You're going to give up a first-round pick for him? Who, which team out there is in need of a tight end that bad to give up that high of a draft pick for him? And then who's going to replace him? What are you going to? How are you going to replace his productivity at that position? You don't, you know, that behind him. Can you honestly say that he's going to be able to put up the same numbers, be the same force that he is? No. So I don't think he took this. I uh, took on the job to get rid of him. In fact, I think he's going to maximize him more utilize them way more than they than the Raiders have used them before this. Right. Especially and if you I, I appreciate the call, uh, Eddie. Uh, and real quick, teams that would, Green Bay Packers, 22. The Arizona Cardinals at 23. Who knows, the Dallas Cowboys, the Buffalo Bills at number 25. They would love to. I mean, and you think where Darren Waller is on the contract range, he's, he's, a, he's a very affordable player. So, yeah, there would, be, there, would be play, there would be teams that would, but you're not going to get the value at 25, 24, 23. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador. When we get back, Benjamin Albright, uh, the great uh, reporter covering the Denver Broncos and the NFL, will join us. You're in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador, live at the uh, Golden Circle Sportsbook at the Treasure Island Hotel. Welcome back to In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, live from the Treasure Island Sportsbook. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. On a Friday, we're live at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook uh, here um, at, at, at the TI. Great food, great drinks. Uh, the whole nine yards. There's all kinds of baseball, basketball. There's some hockey uh, on on uh, on the televisions. It's a great um, opportunity just to sit back, have some fun with some friends, uh, eat some good food, drink some good drinks. There's betting. There's gambling. There's everything. All you can uh, uh, expect at a great sports bar. So come on by, whether it's tonight or any time uh, at all. Uh, the Golden Circle Sportsbook at the TI is always a fun time. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in my good friend, uh, the host, reporter, and analyst at the Broncos flagship station, uh, KOA, KOA Colorado, Benjamin Albright. Thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Uh, ben, I'm just telling you, like right now, as I'm looking around the Golden Circle Sportsbook here at the TI, I can picture you at a place like this, Ben. I know how you roll, and you roll high <laughs> class, and you get after it in a great way. I think you would fit well here. So next time you're in town, if you're on, on the road when the Broncos come, uh, come into town. You have to uh, uh, join me over here at the TI. That's a, that's an invitation, and I demand that well, you will, honor uh, it. I will definitely do that. I'm going to be in town for the draft too, so we're going to have to go. Uh, we're going to have to roll a little deep that night too. All right. Uh, for that, without question, um, are, are, is there is there a compelling 
uh, Broncos draft angle that's going to bring you to Vegas, or did you just convince the people that you needed to convince that you had to be in Las Vegas for the draft? Oh, I, I absolutely convinced them that me being on remote was going to be a value, even though we have no pick in the first or second round. <laughs> right, exactly. I was just going to say. Um, uh, but, uh, but hey, uh, good hustle, and you're going to love it. It's going to be a blast uh, here uh, in Las Vegas, April 28th through the 30th uh, at the draft. Uh, Benjamin Albright, we're talking, you know, obviously Raiders. Uh, we're talking about the possibility of the Raiders getting back into that first round. I don't think it's going to happen, but, you know, it's that time of year where all the speculation uh, occurs uh, if the Raiders were to somehow, some way, get back into the first round. What's a, a, a realistic asset that they're going to have to start thinking about? You're going to have to part ways with this in order to get there. Oh, man. I mean, it just depends on, obviously, you probably look at the last 10 picks of the first round. You look at the value chart. It just depends on, on how you want to do it. I, if I'm the Raiders in this particular case, I guess I'm looking to roll future picks and see what I can do about rolling future picks into this draft. If I'm trying to get in the first, I don't really want to give up too, too much in this draft. It's a deep draft for, you know, edge guys, offensive tackles. There's, there's plenty of guys in this draft that, uh, even in the second and third round, have, have plenty of value and plenty of talent. So uh, I'm not trying to give up on this draft necessarily. Just because it's not top-heavy with quarterbacks doesn't mean it's not a good draft. Would you consider moving down? And I, I, I think that uh, the, the, the Patriots model, if we're going to if we're gonna uh, look at the Raiders and, and start speculating or wondering how they're going to operate, the Patriots have done that. They've traded down, they're, and the new leadership here has a heavy uh, accent of, of Patriots. Could that be a possibility, and would you be surprised if they did that? No, I, I wouldn't be. I, I think that's the more likely move, especially in the first year. Um, if you're, you know, your general manager, new head coach, your first year, uh, you, you've got kind of a grace period. You don't have to win that first year; you're out. You know, as long as you don't embarrass yourself, a la, you know, Steve Wilkes in Arizona, et cetera, um, you, you're going to have a chance to, to be there two, three years. So, ideally, you want to roll those picks forward and, and and really take big swings in year two, year three, uh, and that that will set you up longer term to have more success. So, I, I would not be surprised to see them move backwards at all. Benjamin Albright, uh, and you can follow him at Albright uh, NFL, is joining us here uh, in the huddle uh, on a Friday. Um, when you look at, you know, there's been Darren Waller's name for some reason has been the hot name uh, when, when fans and people speculate about the Raiders trading up uh, into the first round. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he means too much to this team right now. Uh, and there's nobody in the first round that really jumps out as, got to go get him, let's give up Darren Waller to go get him. Uh, that aside, um, when you look at Darren Waller's contract situation, he's got two more years left on it, roughly about $7 million uh, in each of those years. There's no question that he's underpaid. Uh, there were some reasons why he signed the deal that he did when he did. Uh, but I now, now I think in retrospect, he's probably a little bit disappointed that it went down that way. Where do you think things stand with Darren Waller as far as him wanting to kind of get back into the negotiating room to start you know, creating a payday for himself reflective of what uh, he's done and what he's produced and what he will produce. And where do you think the Raiders might be in, in that kind of uh, conversation? Well, I think the Raiders are going to put that off as long as possible just because they've got the, the team-friendly deal right now. I think Waller, obviously, would want cash right now. Maybe they can come to some kind of agreement on that early. But uh, if I'm Darren Waller, I'm, I'm waiting it out. You know, And the reason I'm waiting it out is because with these new broadcast rights deals and gambling money revenue that's coming in, we are seeing wildly inflated contracts for, for different positions come through. And you know, he's going to maximize his money by waiting to the last minute and having someone else reset the floor. Uh, so I, if I'm Darren Waller, I'm not, I'm not too eager to jump out there and sign something right now. I'm eager to cash these checks, go out there and continue to produce. And this offense that he's going to be in this year will help him produce the tight end. There's plenty of opportunities for tight ends in it. Um, I, I think that, that 
it'll reflow, reset, and he'll have the opportunity to cash in here in about a year. All right. If you're Darren Waller, what's the approach that you're taking? Or, excuse me, uh, uh, Derek Carr, what's the approach that you're taking? Oh, you absolutely wait till the last minute. I mean, let, let the market reset the market. We were talking, you know, it's, it's so funny. Everybody was laughing at the idea that Kyler Murray wanted, you know, $45 million a year just a, just a, what, eight weeks ago. And now you look at it and $45 million is, what, what thank you, fourth highest paid quarterback? I mean, the, the, the market constantly gets reset. And if you're not signing early, if your team is to your advantage to sign guys as early as possible, if you're a, a player, it's to your advantage to wait. So if I'm Derek Carr, I'm, I'm playing in this new offense and I'm saying, hey, look, I'm going to let the market reset itself. I got, uh, Justin Herbert, Joey Burrow coming up on contracts. Lamar Jackson's got to sign one. Kyler Murray. All these guys got to sign contracts, and that's just going to bump the market for me. We're talking to Benjamin Albright. You can follow him at Albright NFL. Uh, he is a host, reporter, and analyst at the uh, Broncos flagship station, KOA uh, Colorado. Uh, Benjamin, obviously the, the, there's a reason why <laughs> the Broncos don't have a, uh, a first or second round pick. Uh, part of that is the quarterback that they brought in, Russell Wilson, from the Seattle uh, Seahawks. It obviously solves a big problem that the Broncos have had for a while now, and that's the most important position on the field and fielding a good quality quarterback. Uh, what's the honeymoon been like uh, so far for Russell Wilson, and um, how much do you think he truly, truly moves that needle for the Broncos in a way that's going to legitimately put them in contention in the AFC West? Well, I think it moves the needle a lot um, because I, I think that even competent quarterback play over the last five years would have made that team a lot better. I mean, last year they had the number three defense in the NFL still finished where they finished. Uh, they just couldn't get points. I mean, you're talking about a team that's averaging 17 points a game. That isn't getting it done, especially when you're a defense that's allowing 17 and a half. So, um, you know, you've got to find a way to get 24 points a game in this league. If you can't do that, you're not going to win. And, and Russ has consistently done that. So, I, you know, I think Russ has moves the needle as far as that goes. The honeymoon period here, um, I think expectations might be a little high. You know, at this point, I think if Russ throws for anything less than 6,060 touchdowns, fans are going to be disappointed <laughs> based on the expectations. But uh, hopefully that will come back to earth and, you know, Russ can be Russ. Um, you know, coming off the injury last year, production was down. But his best productive season was the year before that. So uh, if, you're looking at, uh, if you look at what he's able to provide, I think that uh, – Overall, um, you know, Russ is, uh, Russ is set to take the stage and take the Broncos back to playoffs. We have uh, consistently heard the let Russ cook uh, mantra uh, out of Seattle, around the NFL, and basically it was almost a plea uh, to Pete Carroll to unlock this guy and let him go throw the ball around and do what he's able to do. For some reason, Pete Carroll was a little averse to doing that, to opening up to that extent. Are we finally going to see Russell Wilson truly cook in the Denver Broncos offense under Coach Hackett? Well, I don't think that his passing attempts per game is going to be appreciably different. I just think it's going to be structured differently. You know, Pete Carroll would run first, run some more, run some more, punt, run some more, run some more, and then ask Russell Wilson to bail him out at the last minute. Right. Nathaniel Hackett's probably going to let Russell Wilson throw early, uh, and then they'll, they'll run to salt it away. If you look at Nathaniel Hackett's experience as a play caller, uh, in his first year in Buffalo, first year in Jacksonville, uh, both those years they led the NFL in rushing attempts. Um, so I, I fully expect the Broncos to be an on-the-ground football team, but I, I think it'll be more salting it away, letting Russ throw early. Benjamin, when we look around uh, the rest of the AFC West, uh, there's an argument that the Los Angeles Chargers also got better. Uh, they're kind of a, uh, a sleeping giant over there in Los Angeles with a great young quarterback and talent just all over the roster. But then we go to Kansas City, and um, there's a case to be made that while everybody else in the division got better, the Kansas City Chiefs, didn't. In fact, they probably, as, as we are today, 
are worse than they were uh, last year. They traded Tyreek Hill. I know that, you know, where the thinking was and what the motivation was uh, behind that. But how much of a blow is that, truly, for the Chiefs to lose a player of that caliber? And how difficult is it going to be to replace him, like, on the now? Not two years from now, but, like, right now. Well, replacing what he does, not just what he does in terms of production, but replacing what he does in terms of stretching the field uh, is going to be interesting. Because Marcus Valdez-Scantling is known more for his drops than he is for catches. He's not really a guy that's uh, that's consistently put together great stretches of, of playing football despite his speed. Juju Smith-Schuster is not, you know, he's not a burner by any stretch. He's a, he's a decent receiver on the outside. They're more of a complimentary guy. And so I, I think that you're really going to need Travis Kelsey to be a force underneath because they just don't have the vertical threat stretching the field in three stages to be able to do that anymore. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball, and they've, they've lost a, a lot of pass rush generation. They've lost a lot of ability to generate turnovers. I, I think Kansas City's in for a, a thud this season. I mean, obviously you still got Pat Mahomes, and you, you can't discount that, but uh, that rest of that team doesn't look very good, and you know, I'm a little worried about them falling off a cliff. Bringing it back here to Las Vegas, Ben, uh, I think the, the Raiders have certainly gotten better. You don't add a Devontae Adams and to what the Raiders already have in place uh, offensively and, and not get a bump off of that. You bring in Chandler uh, Jones uh, opposite, um, you know, uh, uh, Max Crosby, and, and that defense looks a little bit better as well. Um, what do you think the view is of the Raiders outside of Las Vegas, outside of their practice facility in Henderson? From a national perspective, uh, where is everyone with the Raiders, and what do you expect uh, for the Raiders this year? Well, I'd say the outside perspective is they got an offense to go toe to toe with anybody. Um, you know, you look at the weapons, you got Waller, you got Adams, you got the third down money machine in, uh, in Renfro there. So, uh, you got an offense to go toe to toe with anybody. The question is going to be the offensive line, if it holds up the way it used to. Um, you know, they'll be successful. Derek Clark can continue to, uh, to get to adapt to McDaniel's offense, which I don't see a problem with. Uh, and then, you know, defensively, um, you know, we, we know about the pass rush. We know they, the Raiders get the ability to rush the pass. They have corners that can stop anybody. They have safeties that can stop anybody. They have linebackers that can stop anybody. That's, that's a real question. So you're going to need to see training camp out of that. You're going to see how these guys show up and mesh in this, this new defense they're going to be running uh, because they're switching defenses again. And so it's going, to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if that defense can hold up because that's been the Achilles heel really for the last couple of years. Uh, can't let you get out, uh, Benjamin, without talking about the draft uh, and talking about quarterback um it doesn't feel like a strong class at quarterback but sometimes when teams just have a need um what, what, even if that quarterback doesn't look like it did last year um they're, they're still gonna pu- uh, pull the trigger on quarterbacks how many do you expect uh, to get drafted in the first round who do you think would be the first quarterback taken and lastly who's gonna be the best quarterback to come out of this draft well uh, i think you're gonna see three go in the first round you could see I think it's going to be three. Um, I think Malik Willis probably goes first. He could go as high as number two to Detroit. Uh, Pickett probably going to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, and then after that, Matt, Matt Corral will be the third quarterback taking the first round. Ritter will be somewhere after that. Um, I, I, as far as who's going to be the best in this, I think it's going to be Matt Corral. Um, you know, Malik Willis has probably the highest ceiling, but the lowest floor. Kenny Pickett's got some, some tiny hands, kind of a one-year wonder guy. Matt Corral, you talk to that guy. He's just a, just a fiery guy. He makes you want to put the pads on and play with him. Um, you know, he famously got in trouble and had to switch high schools because he beat up Wayne Gretzky's kids. So anybody that's got that on their resume, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% behind him. <laughs> My niece was at Oaks Christian High School when that happened, too. So a lot of, <laughs> a lot of layers to that story, Ben. One day we'll talk yeah. about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, hey, I, I appreciate you taking some time to spend with us in the huddle. Can't wait to see you uh, at the draft in a few weeks. Take care of yourself. Uh, safe travels when you come out here, and we'll talk to you down the road, my friend. Absolutely, brother. Beer's on me. All right. So I'll, I'll, I'll pick up a few of those, too. Uh, that was-
Albright, uh, the uh, Buffalo, or excuse me, the uh, Denver Broncos uh, re- host, reporter, and analyst uh, over at KOA Colorado, and genuinely a great dude and a great dude to hang out with, too, I might add. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador Raider Nation Radio. 9.20 a.m., we're wrapping up from the Golden Circle Sportsbook here at the Treasure Island Hotel. I'm looking at the Atlanta Braves. I'm looking at the Atlanta Hawks playing the Miami Heat. The Heat are up 37-33. Uh, there's just all kinds of sports, all kinds of great food, all kinds of great drinks. Come on, join us uh, here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook. And whether we're here uh, or tomorrow or the next day, this place is uh, going off all the time. It's a great place to be. And, of course, there's free parking at the Treasure Island Hotel as well. We'll be back at it in just a minute. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Friday. Thanks again to Benjamin Albright uh, from KOA, Colorado. He is the host, reporter, and analyst for the Broncos flagship. I think there's a lot of intrigue. I know this to be the case because talking to a whole bunch of people uh, in and around the NFL uh, out at the owners' meetings in Florida, um, a lot of intrigue about what's going on in Las Vegas with the Raiders uh, and how good, as Benjamin Albright you know, said, how good this offense truly can be, um, especially if they can make a tinker or two uh, in the right way along the offensive line. If they can get, um, you know, a, a solid year from the offensive line and everybody stays healthy behind them and alongside them, this offense is going to be able to score at will. It truly is. I mean, there's, it's just going to be a difficult cover for any opposing defense to stop everything uh, that the Raiders have. Uh, we're going to go back out to the uh, Realty One Group listener line. Charles is in Kentucky. How you doing, Charles? Hey, Vinny, how you doing? Uh, hey, Vinny, I was just going to say, nothing big, but uh, Darren Waller, I think the only way they would trade him is if a contract dispute comes up, don't you? I mean, I don't think that, I don't think Josh would want to get rid of Darren, but I think if Darren decided he wanted a lot more money, and that, don't you think that's the only way that they would act, actually trade him? And I think if Josh traded Waller, he would want to trade kind of gather picks. I mean, that's the New England Patriot way, is that, you know, if he got up there in the first round, probably try to gather a few second-round picks or... I mean, that's just that's just my thought on it. I was thinking about listening to you all. I, I don't think that there's any way they trade Darren just for a first-round pick. I think they trade it if Darren wasn't happy and his, his asking price was too much. Don't you kind of agree with that, or do you disagree with that? I do, uh, 1,000%. And, uh, I, and, and, and I think that Josh McDaniels, it would have to be a situation where Darren Waller, you know, pulled almost like a Devontae Adams where, look, he basically told Green Bay, I don't want to be here anymore. And whatever his motivation was uh, to leave the Packers and go elsewhere, and specifically here to, uh, you know, with the Raiders, those were his reasons. But he made it abundantly clear um, that he, he was no longer interested in playing in the Green Bay Packers. There was no there, the, the Packers weren't looking to trade Devontae Adams. That's just, I mean, it, he, he forced them into that position he was not going to play on the franchise tag and he didn't want to play anymore with green bay packers when you get pushed into a corner like that that's when you you know a you could take the path of we're gonna we're gonna call him on his bluff or try to call him on his bluff but i think that they felt like even if we did call him on his bluff 
where is he going to be mentally? Like, he's checked out of Green Bay. We're going to be trying to force a rock or, or, or a, you know, a square into a round hole at this point. And when players get to that point where they no longer want to be there, it could create a lot of issues um, trying to force them to stay around. It just does. And uh, so they, they recouped and they figured out a way to, all right, this is not what we want to do, but we're going to try to make the most of it. And they got a first-round pick and a second-round pick out of it. I'll tell you this, if the Green Bay Packers – if you injected the Green Bay Packers with some truth syrup right now, syrup right now, they'd say we'd give you back the first and second round pick to have Devontae Adams back on this roster. Because with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers and everything else that's going on in Green Bay, that's a team that you can legitimately talk about as a Super Bowl contender. Without Devontae Adams, that road just got a lot tougher. And why would you want to put yourself in that position unless you were put in that position. So taking it back to Darren Waller, I'm in full agreement. Darren Waller would basically have to tell the Raiders, I don't want to be here anymore. Even if you're going to offer me uh, a lot of money, I don't want to be here anymore. And I think that the Raiders are willing and will be willing to work with Darren on a contract that, you know, gets some new uh, new money uh, into the equation and gets him, um, you know, uh, pushes him up a little bit more on that guaranteed uh, aspect of it. Uh, to make it more respectful in terms of where he is, what his stature is. Um, so I think they'll be able to work that out. Uh, but when you talk about him on the field, him as an ambassador to your franchise, what he means to this offense, like like there's not – there's a bunch of good young players that are in this draft. There's a bunch of guys with a lot of potential. And that's great. If the Raiders were – you know, if you want to back this up four years ago and you had a Darren Waller and an asset but holes all over the rest of the roster, that's when you may consider, like, uh, you know, the guy's getting to be 30 years old. We're not anywhere near uh, being able to compete. Let's use our best player and go get a bunch of assets to be able to build for the future. Yes, there would be a justification, maybe some reasoning at that point to trade a Darren Waller because you're trying to close a bunch of other holes in doing so. But where the Raiders are right now, how close they really are. Remember, with a banged-up Darren Waller and no uh, you know, uh, uh, Henry Ruggs and an offensive line that was eh, the Raiders still pushed the eventual AFC champions to almost overtime in the, round, in the first round of the playoffs. You want to build from that, not take a step back from that. And right now, on paper, that offense looks dynamic. Why would you want to mess with that? Hey, I want to say thanks to all of our listeners uh, throughout the week. Uh, truly appreciate it. I want to thank all of our guests uh, throughout the week. I want to say thanks uh, to Nikki Fargus, the president of the Las Vegas Aces, uh, for spending some time with us in, uh, in the huddle today. Benjamin Albright, uh, the great Denver Broncos reporter, for spending some time with us today. Devon Cotton, thanks for everything that you do. Really appreciate it. We're back at it on Monday, 4 to 6, in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio. Have a great and safe weekend. We'll check back with you on Monday.